Welcome to High Tide, Low Tide, the podcast where we talk about all things mental health and where we share our stories with the knowledge that it could just be the lifeline of hope for someone who is hurting and afraid that they're the only one. I'm your host, Lisa Scanlon, and I am so glad that you're here with me today. Just a little reminder here, guys, that we are discussing mental health in this episode, so we may touch on things like suicide or self-harm, which may be a trigger for you. As always, I'll pop resources in the show notes or know that you can call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hey guys, and welcome back to High Tide, Low Tide. I'm super excited to be here today um, with another wonderful guest. Um, Her name is Bianca, and she is the producer and host of Could It Be podcast. So welcome to this show. Thanks so so much for having me. I'm super excited. Um, It's really nice to have, um, like we've had a good chat already. I always do this. I should start recording before, 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 before. You get the nuggets then, don't you? I know. But it's been really nice. We've just um, been chatting about a couple of things, you know, about podcasting and you know, what you do and what I do and how we kind of got to where we are now. So it's been nice to connect in on that. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And also being that we're both Adelaide girls, (laughs) we've just like discovered a whole treasure trove of um, mutual connections. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Like I just heard one name in one of your earlier episodes. I'm like, I have to ask. I just have to. And uh, yeah, that just... We went down a rabbit warren. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Opened up a whole, um, what was it, Good Life Gyms yes. Mutual Friend Connection. Yeah, Park and Woodbury. <laughs> yes, so that's so funny. So it's a beautiful Saturday today. Um, yesterday was a scorcher at 40 degrees. Oh, my God. It's um, a bit windy still, but it's um, much more pleasant today than I think it was yesterday as much as I do love the heat. Um, so thank you for spending some of your Saturday with me. No and this is a take two. <laughs> take three. Take was th- sick the first time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got there. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Third time lucky. Last time we went to record, I like like an hour prior, I always set up my equipment and I'd been using my laptop all morning, absolutely no problems. And then I went to went for a walk and came back and went to open my laptop up and it was just the black screen of death. <laughs> no. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> this isn't good. And I was like, no, maybe it's just gone flat. It's connected to the charger. And I was like, mm, I'll just disconnect the charger and leave it for a while, turn it off, turn it on, and nothing happened. But... Um, it was resurrected um, by someone uh, in the local community um, at one of the computer shops. So we're all good to go. Yes. So would you like to just give us a little bit of an introduction to who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, so as Lisa said, my name's Bianca. Um, by day, I am currently, it's hard to explain my job, but I'm a HR data analyst. Okay. Um, and um, I'm... I'm 37. Uh, I live in the northern suburbs of Adelaide where I grew up. 
I'm um, a dog mum of 2.5 dogs because we have my <laughs> partner's dog half of the time. Oh, uh, nice. So, hello, Harper, Tilly and Gambit. Um, <laughs> I had a dog named Tilly. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I chose the, the name before I chose the dog. Like, I was like, I'm the name Tilly. And then I got photos of my options. I went, she looks like a Tilly. So, she's 15 now. Oh, uh, she's I love my little gremlin. I love her a bit. So, yeah, <laughs> she's the best. Um, I live with my partner, Jacob. Uh, I am... I've just infiltrated one of his bands, so I'm a backing singer in a band. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Uh, we went to Texas a, bit, uh, Texas a bit earlier on this year and performed at South by Southwest Festival. How cool. <laughs> Baptism of Fire because I did one gig in Adelaide and then three in Texas and we've done a, like one or two in Adelaide since we've been back, so majority of my gigs have been overseas. That's so cool, <laughs> I know. though. I just, I, just I, I'm, I keep saying yes to all these random events things yeah <laughs> and yeah just uh, it was just a random like they got offered the gig and their normal backing singer couldn't go and I I have to try a new thing to learn every couple of years mm-hmm. and singing lessons was one of them and uh, when he mentioned that the normal backing singer couldn't go um I was like oh I could do it and he's like you could and we just trialed you know how I'd go with some of the songs because they're a bit tricky he's very clever with his music nerd stuff like chord progressions and stuff I don't know how to play the instruments properly but uh yeah and I and I got it so I learned something like 15 or 16 songs in the space of a couple of months and then off we went um so that's probably like the biggest thing that's happened for me this year that Um, is so cool yeah that's not in the notes (laughs) sorry I've forgotten it I was like that's something I should add because I forget that I've done that and then when I tell people they're like that's kind of huge. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, it was just, just like, I tried in my head not to make it a huge thing. I'm like, you know what? If, if I do a bad job, nobody then knows me. <laughs> but we did really well. Like, it was so fun. And, uh, like, Jacob has described to me, like, being on stage and the excitement you get from it. And the first gig we did was to no one because it was, like, this random uh, tiny van it was called. He just set up a trailer with a stage on it. And uh, no one came along because it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. But I was like singing one of the songs and like crying, like looking up into the sky. I'm like, where did that come from? Oh. And then the last gig that we did was our main showcasey gig. And like I just, I got goosebumps. Something took over me. I was like a, a wild beast on this stage, like <laughs> getting into and dancing. And people watching me, I'm like, oh, I, I wonder what they're thinking. But also I don't care at the same no. time. And yeah, just something took over me. And. Yeah, that, that's just something that I never had experienced before, but it's such a cool thing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so that's that's um, a little insight. What else is about me? Uh, What's the name of the band? Uh, they're called Dean Forever, so they're like a dream poppy shoegazy type band. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I'll have to put the link with the show, yeah, the show yeah, notes sure. as well. <laughs> that is such a cool thing. Like That's not something that someone says to you every day. No. To have gone over to Texas, Texas. to do it yeah. as well. Like, yeah. So you guys must be, you know, kind of a big deal. No, we did. We do right. <laughs> do you play locally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done, I think, a couple. Like normally they used to do a lot more and uh, it was like based on their first album and mm-hmm. it's been a little while between recording albums so there's a new one due out next year so I'm sure there'll be more gigs coming up yeah uh, but yeah my, my partner's currently recovering from an accident he broke his elbow on the long weekend so no drumming or piano for him uh, for a little while so it yeah. might be in the new year before you get to play again okay yeah, yeah. well yeah. you have to let me know yes and I'll come along <laughs> and cheer you on for sure that's so cool <laughs> 
Um, so always in my um, little pack that I send out to guests, I always ask the question, like, how do we know each other or what's our connection, <laughs> if any? And we did kind of touch on that already in the Adelaide being so small, but we only just recently discovered that. Yeah. But you're also friends with Kim yes. Fryer? Yeah, so yeah. we went to high school together. Yeah. Uh, and I saw that she had shared that she'd been on your podcast um, talking about her experience with, like, medical issues and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm going to follow this podcast. This sounds really, like, cool what she's doing. Uh, yeah, so I know Kim. I ran into her at the Fringe um, a couple of years ago and she was looking a bit lost because she'd bought a ticket for the wrong night and all her friends had bought a ticket for the right night. So I was like, I'll stay with you. And then oh. the security guards let her into the show in the end. But, yeah, yeah I went to school with Kim. And she's a beautiful soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's lovely. You also wrote... <laughs> Also, I think I rode my bike past you at Henley <laughs> Beach once. <laughs> How good's your memory? It's, it's really scary. Um, like, I've got a photographic memory, apparently. I remember one of my teachers told my mum in, like, year one. Wow. And when I worked at the gyms, I would remember everybody's name and they'd be like, mm. like how do you know my name? Um, but it was just because I would see them and I'd see their name on the screen and remember it. So I had seen, like, obviously you posting on social media. I'm like, that's Lisa Girl. <laughs> and we'll, we'll obviously get into this a bit later, but the woman who shared the initial story about, like, the condition that I'll be talking about today, I've gone past her on my bike down at the beach as well. I think it was around the same spot too. Oh. I was like, what is this? I <laughs> see you running into people here. But, you know, I could just didn't want to be like, hey, like, I don't know you, but hi. <laughs> oh, I would have loved it. Yeah. I'm always open to talk to everybody. So I just found that really funny. <laughs> so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, breast implant illness, yes. yeah, which is obviously something that you've experienced and it's um, what your podcast is about. So to anyone who maybe hasn't heard of it before um, or has heard of it but doesn't really know what it is, can mm-hmm. you give us a bit of an explanation? Yeah, sure. So this is a completely uneducated explanation <laughs> because I'm not a medical person. Yes, professor. we are not doctors. <laughs> um, but so the, my understanding of breast implant illness is you get a foreign object put into your body and your body does a whole heap of stuff to try and reject it. So if you think about if somebody has an organ transplant, I'm pretty sure they end up taking a medication for the rest of their lives so that their body doesn't reject it, right? Mm -hmm. Breast implants, they just go in and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, a capsule forms around the implants uh, and it's it's disgusting. If you actually look up breast implant capsules on Google images, you will see oh. this really gross like skin type thing that grows around them and it's kind of like your body's way of protecting your body from the implants. So breast implants actually are, you know, made of silicon and even if they are saltwater breast implants, the, the shell around them has to be made of something, right? So it's silicon and that contains a ton of heavy metals there's like I think 40 if you look it up online you'll see this list of like 40 heavy metals that the implants are made of so of course your body's going to be like get out of me Mm. Um, so we suffer all sorts of symptoms because of that Um, and some of them actually like when you look up like heavy metal toxicity symptoms it's very similar to your breast implant symptoms so Mm. um, for me it was things like hair loss joint pain so I'm a couple years older than you but like to, to I'd go for a walk with my friend down um, at the beach. So we'd walk from Glenelg North to Brighton, sit down and have brunch. And when I stood up from brunch, I couldn't stand up straight mm-hmm. because my joints were so sore. Poor recovery from exercise, mm-hmm. um, uh, like ringing in your ears. I've got that, but that's 
from too many concerts without headphones. Oh, yeah, yeah without earplugs. So yeah. there's lots of different, lots of different ways. Yeah, like yeah. heart palpitations. Um, yeah, lots of. It's basically similar to a lot of the autoimmune type diseases. Yeah, yeah. And am I correct in saying it's not a it's not a recognized um, diagnosable dis- condition? Yet. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. So in Australia at the moment, there is a professor over in Sydney who's doing a study on it. Okay. Um, so we refer to it a lot as breast implant illness BII, which is the acronym for the podcast. Um, but he actually calls it SSBI, which is systemic symptoms of breast implants. So anyone who is listening and is potentially going to explant in Australia, um, I can send you the link to pop in the show notes for Professor Davis' study. Mm-hmm. So he's working towards having it um, made into a recognised medical condition. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so it definitely, I mean, it makes sense when you explain it that obviously, you know, it's even if you think of like, when you get a splinter Mm -hmm. and what your body does to try and draw attention to that and to try and remove it Mm -hmm. on its own so yeah if you have something uh, foreign put inside your body then like if you think about it it makes sense that potentially it's going to try to reject it Mm -hmm. so obviously this is something that you experienced which means that at some point you made a decision that you were going to have breast implants put in Mm -hmm. so where where does this all start for you okay so um in my family i Mm -hmm. am one of like five children so one son to my mum and four daughters Mm -hmm. um my mum's quite um big chested and like the rest of my sisters either are normal or have quite large boobs Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the sister above me um has had a reduction because hers were so big they were causing like neck and back problems and stuff when she was younger and i just never developed and i would have been it wouldn't have been something that would have even crossed my mind if I had normal, normal, in quotation marks, yeah. um, normal shaped boobs. But mum brought it up with me when I was about 13. Okay. She said to me, look, you haven't developed quite like everyone else, like like your sisters. You know, you, you do have options. Um, it came from a place of care. She's like, yeah, yeah, you could get breast implants down the track. I'm like, go away. That's not something <laughs> I'm going to do. Like, no way. Because, um, you know, back then my way of like what I saw were – was a stereotypical person who had breast implants was like your Pamela Anderson, your Playboy yes. models, and that kind of thing, and like I just kind of didn't really think of it. But then you know, as you develop, everyone else around you is developing throughout high school, and you've got your magazines like your mm. Dolly and your girlfriend, the movies that were coming out. Oh my God, we watched the movie from two thousand and five last night, and just the physique that people like aimed to have. And I said to my partner like. See why I had body image issues. Yeah. um, It was just unattainable for a lot of people. Yeah, I just never grew boobs. Mm. And I I had something there, but it just wasn't a a boob type shape. Um, I got bullied a bit. So people would like snap my bra and say, oh, you don't need this. You don't have boobs anyway. Uh, Yeah. There was one guy who tapped me on the shoulder like he was sitting behind me in a class and he's like, if you don't have boobs, you've just got fat rolls tucked up into a bra. Now, I was always I always carried a bit of extra weight, but I would have never said that I was fat when I was younger. But, you know, people, people will bully you and they'll say oh, that yeah. kind of thing. They'll just, like, grab something that's just a slightly different to everybody else and just bully you for it. So that stuck with me. I'm 37 now. That happened when I was 14 probably, and I still think about that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, went through life 
kind of going like, yeah, I haven't developed properly. Got to my year 12 formal and I bought a dress from Harris Scarf of all places. Oh, but it was a real formal yeah, looking dress. Back in the day. I reckon they did. Yeah, I remember going shopping for a dress there. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like an overly fitted dress. It didn't have a massive section for the chest, but I didn't fill it. So mm. I had to go and buy those. You know those chicken fillet bras? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I had so many of those. <laughs> I used to work at Cunningham's Warehouse. We sold them. Like, I'm pretty sure I bought them from work. Yeah. Um, so I had that and a push-up water bra mm-hmm. just to fill the dress. Mm. And, uh, yeah, um, I got to oh, the year out of high school and there was another medical thing evolving at that point. So I actually had, just after I turned 19, I think it was, I had a 7.6 kilo ovarian cyst removed from my um, left ovary and my left ovary at the same time. Oh, wow. And um, it was not long after that. So I'd, I'd grown this belly that looked pregnant, but I knew it wasn't. I went through this stage of being religious for a year after high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a colourful life. Yeah. Um, and that's what people keep saying. Like, yeah, Lots of chapters. Full of surprises. Yeah. Uh, or what did you say before? Side quests. Yeah, so you've had lots of side quests. Um, so uh, after I'd recovered... So, sorry, I had this big belly, mm-hmm. had the cyst taken out, suddenly a flat belly, but also had no boobs. And mm-hmm. I had lost so much weight because I had a nearly eight kilo cyst, plus couldn't eat properly after the surgery because everything was moving back and it felt disgusting mm. because like, I'd drink and I'd feel this ur, 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 as everything was moving because the oh. cyst had pushed everything around. Um, my doctor, that specialist, still talks about me now to any of his students that come through because I was so young. This kind of thing might happen in older women, like post-menopausal oh. women, but not an 18-, 19-year-old. And looking back, I think I possibly had that at least when I was 16, maybe a bit earlier, just okay. because of some of the pains that I had experienced. Mm. And uh, it was not long after my recovery from that when mum said, you could probably look into something. She's like, why don't you look into a fat transfer? Yeah, I'm like, so I went to one surgeon and he was like, look, you don't have the shape there. What you actually have is tuberous breasts. And I'd never heard of that term before. And he showed me some photos and there was uh, this array of photos of women that looked exactly like me. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is the thing. I understand why I'm like this now. He's like, but I can't do a fat transfer because you don't have the, like the, the skin there to do it. You'll just end up with a bigger version of that tuberous breast. Okay. So, to anyone who doesn't know what a tuberous breast is, <laughs> a little explanation. Yeah. How, so, how would you explain it? The lower pole of your breast doesn't go down as far. So, like, they kind of end higher up than a, a boob would, and they they are a tube type shape. Okay. Um, depending on obviously if someone's like gained weight and lost weight or anything they um tend to sort of point downwards a bit triangle shaped okay um but yeah that's another thing you can like google image and there's heaps maybe that's what i have really yeah i don't know i've never really thought about it i also don't like i just never developed either is how i would explain it and like similar i guess in some points to sort of like what you have been saying about your journey in terms of like I just assumed one day they would grow yes. and they just never came. <laughs> I thought maybe like 18, 19 will be yeah. my time. Like I'm yeah. just going like to evolve into this like big boy. Yeah. That didn't happen. And like because, you know, everything you watch on television and everything, all the girls had breasts. And yes. so it made me feel like I was less attractive as, as a woman mm-hmm. or I wasn't as womanly. Or And I think for me it always was the worst in swimwear. Yes. Because I think, like, you know, it's it's harder to 
give the illusion that something is there when you it's can't not. Wear your sticky bras when you've got yeah. <laughs> and oh my goodness, if I think back to how many like I would have had those yeah those like water bras like hiked as tight as they could go on my shoulders mm-hmm. and then with extra like gel like um like implanty bits inside the bra yep. Yep. to try and create this illusion. So like I completely feel you mm-hmm. that whole way. Yeah, and I think. For a long time in my, like, late teens to early 20s, I always thought one day I would get my, a, a food job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kind of never happened because I went and did other things and spent my money in other ways. I'm so glad. Um, <laughs> and now, like, at, at, from time to time, it'll bother me, but mm. I also really like not having to wear a bra a lot mm. of the time. <laughs> or, like, you know... I don't know. Like, I've accepted it yeah. now. Yes. But it took a long time to get there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just some of the things that you don't realise about breast implants. I'm actually going to be doing an episode on what we wish we knew before we had them. Yeah. And, like, they're heavy. So I worked in gyms. I was an aerobics instructor. Um, I've done CrossFit. Um, I had to wear – like, I had to double lock them down because skipping, jumping with them, mm. it hurts. Like, they, they like they bounce and they're, they're quite heavy. You can't lay in your stomach comfortably, so massages and yoga are really uncomfortable. Mm. Um, I sleep on my stomach. Yeah, I had to stop. <laughs> I had to stop. And I loved sleeping on my stomach. I first of all had to stop because of the big cyst. Yeah, um, and, and it's not got, good for you either to sleep on your so. stomach. <laughs> I don't think it's bad for, like, your posture and your neck and yeah. stuff, but... um but yeah I had to stop Mm. because of the boobs so that that yeah that's one thing Mm -hmm. there's just so many things you don't really think of and then you've got like adding breast implant illness that yeah I don't know if everyone gets it but um, but there's also um some cancer risks to breast implants as well like I actually found out after mine were taken out that I had uh like there's like certain brands and certain types of implants that have been known to cause it's called breast implant associated anaplastic large cell lymphoma b-i-a-a-l-c-l and there's also another sarcoma as well so all of these things that we don't Mm. i wasn't told like this was 2006 when i ended up getting them done so we'll go back to like the process and stuff that i went through Mm -hmm. um but yeah this kind of stuff wasn't spoken about back then i don't know if they knew if they did they weren't telling us but yeah 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 so um, at that time, so then you just, like you had had the cyst removed, yeah, and you had lost some weight and whatnot, and you had started to now look into the potential of having your breast done. Yeah, yeah. So the that first surgeon I went to said like, look, can't do the fat transfer. Sent me off to a yeah. reconstructive surgeon. Uh, and basically what she like she said yes you've got tuberous breasts we can't just place an implant straight in there because your skin will just be like what the mm-hmm. heck have you put in me um so i had tissue expanders first okay so that looks like an implant it's got a little bladder behind it and then there's a tube that goes to a port in your armpit so every fortnight i would drive out to my specialist and get saline put in and then just grow slowly okay so people had no idea like at the time that this was happening this is oh. when I was working at the gym yeah um, like I took I didn't take that long off for the for either of the surgeries so either for the tissue expanders or for the implants um so yeah people just didn't know I just looked like I was slowly growing boobs maybe <laughs> like and I just hit puberty yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah had had the expanders um like would put the the saline in every fortnight and once we got to a size that suited me, so I didn't go too big. I, like, I'm quite broad-shouldered, um, so we just went to a C-cup, basically. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even fitting in a double A. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find bras that actually fit me, really. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, went to a C cup and we had to sort of let them settle for a little while before she switched in the implants and like that was a month shy of my 20th birthday where I had them put in. Okay. Yeah. So that was quite, it's quite young mm. really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you think about it and like I have absolutely zero judgment towards anyone who chooses to have breast implants. Like, so I don't want anyone to get me wrong and if that's the choice that you want to make, like 100% power to you. But I just feel like that, like now as a 30, like in your mid 30s, I feel like 18, 19, 20 is so young yes. to make that kind of decision. I know you're you're technically an adult, so you have the right to do that. It just seems so young. You're more impressionable back then, I think. Mm. Like I was definitely swayed by the fact that I didn't fit in, like baby doll dresses were all the rage at that time. <laughs> and I loved that look, but I could never wear them because I didn't yeah. have boobs to fill the top part of it. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> the people who were making water bras in that era yeah. have been making an absolute killing, yeah, I definitely. swear. Push-up bras, all of that, yeah. So you had the implants put in mm-hmm. um, and, like, did that bring you some form of happiness? It did, yes. I loved them mm-hmm. and I loved the fact that I could then wear clothes that – and I just looked – I hate to use the word normal. I'm using it in quotation marks when yeah. I say it, but I felt normal and I felt womanly for mm-hmm. the first time in my life. And, yeah, they, they were great. Like, I loved them. They didn't look fake. Um, mm-hmm. Not that there's a problem if they do, but uh, I had a teardrop-shaped, um, like, I don't, they, they talk about, like, high-profile, low-profile. Like, is that not a car thing? Yeah. Like, tires? <laughs> um, but that that's a new terminology, so I don't know what mine were, but they just looked like normal, everyday boots. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, like, I, I, I'm glad that you did get that feeling from having it and mm-hmm. um, seeing as you went through the process at what point did you start to maybe notice some signs and symptoms I that something think, wasn't quite right yeah so it, it's hard with the breast implant illness type symptoms because they can be associated to so many other things mm-hmm. but probably around 10 years in I noticed so anytime I have an operation any type um, time I have anesthetic about six months later, my hair starts falling out like crazy. And I had a surgery uh, 2017, I think. So a bit, bit longer than 10 years after I had them in. And my hair started falling out at the normal time, but it just never stopped. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking in like a, an elevator mirror and it had down lights and I could see my scalp. Okay. Like, oh, this is becoming a problem. And I was taking all sorts of like, you know, biotin and hair, hair skin and nail supplements and Nothing was helping. Nothing was slowing it down. I also went through like quite a stressful period in 2020. Like my dad was terminally ill and I was doing all sorts of stuff to try and like sell his house for him so he could get into care. And um, it was a very stressful time. I was doing a lot of it on my own. And like I, this, I think that kind of exacerbated everything for me. Um, like the body going through, so it was already going through a physical stress because of the implants and then going through the emotional stress just added to it. So uh, that's when I really started to notice, um, yeah, like the hair loss was just so bad. I had blood tests done on my thyroid and iron levels and nothing really came back skew-if. Like it was like, no, mm-hmm. everything's fine. Um, that's when I had the joint pain. So like going for a walk, I'd get home and sit down and then the pain it was specifically through my hips and my back and I wouldn't be able to stand up straight for a little while after I, I did a walk of any kind. Uh, this was when I was doing CrossFit. So CrossFit is quite extreme. Mm. <laughs> um, but like there were people around me that were able to do it six days a week and I could, I had to drop down to three and that was two CrossFit sessions and one Olympic lifting session. 
and I was never recovering from my workouts properly. I was I was seeing a dietitian at the time about like endometriosis because I've had thirteen surgeries now, so like all these oh problems. Goodness. So like I, I'm, I try to get on top of things before they become like a problem again. Good. Um, <laughs> and I was talking to her about the fact that I couldn't recover from exercise, and we we're talking about what I was eating. She's like, "You're eating everything you need to. Like, mm-hmm. You're getting your right protein in. You're getting your fats in. Getting your carbs in. Like I was doing everything right, and just my muscles felt like if I put them under too much pressure, they were going to snap." So my quads, if I was doing like squats, I'm like, this is going to pop. And my, mm-hmm. my calf did one day. It wasn't like a proper, like, you know, people snap them or whatever. But like <laughs> I got off the rower and there was this twang in my oh. calf. And I was like, oh, God, like what's just happened? <laughs> I've done something. Yeah. And I just felt like every week I was going to my coach. I'm like, look, this is wrong today. Like I just need to sub out a few things. And she was brilliant. Um, shout mm-hmm. out to Maple. Um, <laughs> she would... Like, without any judgment at all, because I just felt like I was somebody that was like, oh, this is wrong and that's wrong. And it's felt like a bit of a snowflake. And, like, there was, I had no, no reason why this was happening. Mm. Um, yeah, she'd, like, give me all of my options. Um, and, yeah, I had to end up quitting CrossFit. I just mm-hmm. It wasn't something I could maintain. So I ended up moving to working out from home, just slower stuff that I could do when I felt like I was okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, and a weird symptom, I had the worst body odour. So... <laughs> <laughs> I know why I laughed. It is a strange it's symptom, a strange, though, right? Yeah, and I, I'm quite a sweaty person, <laughs> but I'm not a smelly person. As far as I'm aware, no one's told me. <laughs> but like, I got like I was using clinical protection level deodorants. Yeah. Um, and I would like you know go to the gym or work out in the morning at home, shower, go to work by 10 a.m. I reeked, and oh. it was like it was oh, like I can't even describe the the. The scent. It was like I hadn't showered in days and I'd been in a really humid climate and I'd mm. rolled in dirt and rolled in a rubbish dump. Like it was just really, really bad. Um, so that was an odd one. I had twitching in my eye. Um, a lot of people, so I I didn't specifically go through this, but this is why I reached out to you because a lot of people do experience anxiety and depression when they have breast implant illness and whether that is as a symptom of BII, but also the fact that like I was 35 at the time, um, it's just before I turned 36 that I had my um, explant surgery and I felt like my body was giving up on me Mm. and I started kind of bowing out of life a little bit like I was like you know what I'm just going to quietly quit CrossFit I don't want anyone to make a big deal of it I don't know how to explain what's going on with me Um, if I was making plans like it would be like one plan on a weekend because then I'd have to have the rest of the weekend to recover like from that big walk I used to do I'm like oh like I can't do anything else that weekend and yeah that, that and that just all happened over time. Mm. Like it wasn't like something that I was conscious that I was doing. Yeah. And like we often talk about how like mental health and physical health obviously go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And even just from listening to you talk just then, it's like whether it was a symptom of the BII itself or a sub like a subproduct of mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. being that all of a sudden, you know, you can't do the things that you love doing. You've yeah. had to leave CrossFit. You're you know, having problems with body odour, like that would cause, you know, that would cause anyone to be agitated or anxious about being in public. So whether or not it's like the actual sign and symptom or if it's come as a product of it, either way, like of course it's going to, it makes sense that it would start to affect your mental health with time as well. Yeah, some of the women I've spoken to will explain the symptoms before they know what it is Mm -hmm. um, as like, they felt like they were dying, but oh. they didn't have any reason, like, why they were. There was one lady, Heidi, who I've had on 
the um, on the podcast and she was basically planning her funeral like she was selling everything she had a, a daughter and she didn't want her like her daughter I think she was probably like in her 20s mm-hmm. and she didn't want her daughter having to organize everything in her house once she passed away that's heartbreaking so, yeah yeah and so she got down to like a couple of like outfits and one chair and a tv and a bed and she's like I just sold everything I was just I didn't want my daughter to have to struggle with all of this once I'd passed away and then she found out about BI and just completely changed her life yeah and I can imagine that going through this process it's like anything when you can't get an answer like Mm -hmm. it must have been just so frustrating it's like I'm experiencing all these things I don't feel like myself I don't feel good but no one can tell me why yeah like, was it numerous trips to the doctors or, like, what? Like, I just, like, it would just, I would be so annoyed. Yeah, it was, so I had a really good doctor, but there was multiple things that we were looking at at the time, mm. like, when we were looking at the endometriosis. I was having some stomach pains, and this is another thing that, like, I had um, some, like, gastrointestinal issues, and that was from the implant. So apparently the heavy metals can cause issues with gut health. Oh. You know, gut health is you know, related to, to everything else yeah. in the body, really. But uh, I had a lot of food intolerances, but the pain was that bad from them that I thought my endometriosis was back, which is why it's in the dietitian. But, yeah, I had that initial, like, blood test that came back with nothing, mm-hmm. tried all sorts of stuff with a dietitian. Um, I came came back that I needed to move to a low FODMAP diet, mm-hmm. uh, which, like, changed it for me really quickly. Like, I felt amazing. I was no longer bloated and in pain and stuff. It'll occasionally flare up. Um, if I've had the wrong thing, but I just, I'm very mindful of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was all I really did. So uh, I just felt like that that was probably where I was bowing out of, of, yeah. of everything. Uh, so I would try to manage a lot of the stuff for myself. So I was mm-hmm. trying to take supplements and use shampoos and conditioners for my hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was trying to make sure like I was increasing my protein intake so that I didn't have the problems with the muscle recovery, the joint pain. I was trying to add like turmeric and mm-hmm. all those kind of things. Like I was trying everything to manage it myself. Everything. I just threw everything at it. Like yeah. I was like Googling everything. I was like, all right, mm-hmm. what can I do to fix this? Because I, like, it was impacting other people around me as well. And that, that is what's hard for me. Cause I like, you know, my partner and I would go hiking. And I would be, you know, like you get in so much pain that you're frustrated. And I'm not an angry person, but I'd get angry because we'd be walking up a hill and he'd have no, he'd have no problems. <laughs> and I'd be like, my calf muscles feel like they're going to burst. Like I've made sure that I had a good meal before we came here. Like I've done everything right. I've stretched. Like, and, and yeah, like so that then meant that the hikes weren't an enjoyable experience for us anymore. And, you know, Friends would try to make plans with me and I'd be like, oh, like, I'm just going to be tired then. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just going to say no. Um, so, yeah, it, it impacts other people as well. Yeah. Sure. And would you say that this is probably where you got to your lowest point on this journey? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but then finding out about it, mm-hmm. um, it was like, you know, you hear this kind of, you hear, you hear about this kind of thing, you're like, oh, it could be that. Uh, but... And that's probably not. This is probably just another internet fad. Like I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to buy into it. But the um, the way I found out about breast implant illness, Adelaide, as we spoke about before, <laughs> uh, was going through you know your friend people you might know on, on Facebook, and this woman came up and she had such a vast array of mutual friends. So it was people from gym, my gym, people from my work other random people in the area. And I was like, who is she? And I like, just went for, you know, snoop and just had a look. And 
um, she had, the first thing that came up on her page was an article about like why I've had my breast implants removed and like what people get them removed because when you get them in they do say you need to have them replaced some doctors mm. not all but they're supposed to tell you you meant to have them replaced every 10 to 15 years why mm. why is that yeah and like I found out like this is a side quest I found out <laughs> after I had mine taken out that the capsule um they they send it off for pathology tests and mine had signs of silicon bleed that's that's why you need to have them replaced because oh. you slowly leach into your body um Ooh. yeah yeah so I read this article that this woman had written and she what's talked her, about what's her name her name's Kim Kim am I a mutual friend Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we're anyway. friends Facebook. We'll, we'll, we'll talk later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're reading her article. Reading her article was like a Mamma Mia article. And oh, yeah. she listed the symptoms. And again, the things like the, the joint pain, the muscle recovery, like you can think like, oh, that's just because I was working out too much. I wasn't eating right, whatever. Um, and a lot of them can just be put down to other stuff, right? One thing that she had was um, like eczema in her ears. And I had that, like it was so bad I would wake up in the middle of the night scratching my ears and like it wasn't the scratching that would wake me up, it was the pain. Oh. So I'd be scratching them to the point that they would bleed because the eczema was so bad. Oh. And I'm like, this is so specific. Like this isn't this other weird like symptoms that could be something else. Like this is very specific. This, like maybe this is what's going on, but that's when I was like, nah, nah, this is just another internet fad. Mm. But I kept coming back to it and I kept looking at like things on Instagram, like looking up the hashtags. I was like, oh, this is a thing. And people would talk about, no, I think what I did was I searched on Facebook for breast implant illness and there's all these groups mm-hmm. and there's groups that have like a hundred thousand people in them. And I'm like, that, that can't not be a thing if there's a hundred thousand people yeah. in these groups talking about their experience. And a lot of the time when you look at the results, you'll see people's eyes. So yeah. my eyes had become quite, gray and like the the whites of my eyes are really gray sometimes yellow um and when I was younger I used to get a lot of compliments on my eyes and that stopped happening and uh, not, not that it was something that I counted on like but it was just ego like, thing no, <laughs> it was like you know like I hadn't noticed it until after I explanted and I was at a servo and this young girl was like oh, you've got really pretty eyes I'm like oh, thank you I haven't heard that in years and wow. that must be because like the whites of my eyes became the, there's still days where they're not quite 100 but in the mornings like first thing in the morning I'm like oh there's brightness to them again. Oh. <laughs> so that, that's another symptom. Like your eye, like under your eyes can get quite dark and um, the, the oiliness of my skin had gone. So I'm like very oily um, and my skin was so dry. Oh. Yeah, yeah, all these. Yeah. They just don't always or don't all go together. Why would you think your oily skin and your gut health issues would be connected? Mm-hmm. Um, but it must have been nice, I guess, to get on there and see these groups and be able to connect in and and read and read through other people's experiences and be like, oh, it's not just me. Yes. Yeah, and the fact that there was light at the end of the tunnel that people would be talking about how they felt post-surgery. And, yeah, I was like, I think I need to do this. And I spoke to my partner and, like, I am just I'm just mindful of some like you know the fact that you, you you've got to think of someone else not that, that you know you know what I'm trying to say like yeah, I, I don't, I don't yeah. it's, it, the decision was made but I just wanted to make sure that it was not something 
that would like upset anyone. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. And I knew with him it wouldn't. Like previous relationships, I would have had guilt trips of like, oh, but you looked this certain way when we met. Like, why would you change? Kind of thing. Ugh, but but also, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I knew that Jacob would be fine with it. But I just still wanted to talk to him about. It. I said, look, of course, he's your partner. Yeah. Like you're going to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, look, I've been looking into this. I think that it's possibly what I'm going through. Like, do you mind if I look into, like, getting them taken out? He's like, absolutely not. Like, mm-hmm. you do what you need to do to feel better. Um, he's also a very logical man. So, like, there was this part of him that, he, like, he wanted to understand more about it to be like, like, why are breast implants causing all these, all these problems mm-hmm. for people? Uh, but, yeah, I ended up looking into a couple of surgeons. But ultimately I went back to my original and uh, booked it all in. Um, she was really great. So... <laughs> 19-year-old Bianca was petrified of this surgeon because she's very down the line. She's very, you know, tells it how it is. Yeah. No fluff, but brilliant at her job. Like, they looked amazing. Mm-hmm. And when I went in the first visit, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I'm like, <laughs> I'm about to tell her to do, undo her good work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how else is she going to take this? And I walked, she's like, you're all grown up. Oh, my God. Like, oh, you know, it was so like, nice. Yeah, so good. And I told her about it. She's like, hmm just interesting. Like, the only thing that she kind of said was like, it's just interesting that, um, it's only really started to cause a problem in the last few years. I'm like, yeah, I know, but, like, you know, other things happened, like so many other surgeries and, you know, stress with life and that kind of thing. She's like, okay. She's like, look, we can take him out. And she's mm. like, if, if it doesn't fix him and you want them back in, I can put them back in. <laughs> and that made me feel so much better because it wasn't, like, the decision. Like, you know, there were, there were options. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, and I'll take the capsule out. And that's one thing that I recommend if, if anyone is looking to get their um, – like implants taken out, make sure they take the capsule because the capsule holds on to all of the toxins. Like the the silicon bleed that I had was in my capsule. Why so, would they not take it? Some don't. Sometimes it's hard. Oh, okay. So it, I'm very of, uneducated uh, about this no, myself. I'm, I'm still learning. <laughs> Every time I speak to someone, there's something new that I learn. But mm-hmm. um, one lady had um, her capsule had actually ventured up to her collarbone. I don't oh. know how. And it was a very thin capsule. Yeah. Um, they come in all sorts of, like, thicknesses and stuff. But, um, yeah, it does, like, it's it's been there to protect your body from all of those heavy metals and stuff. So it's holding on to them. You want it out if you can. Mm-hmm. So there's a few different kinds of ways they can do it. So there's an en blanc capsulectomy, which is en blanc means, like, as a whole or something like that. So it's a bigger scar, but they take the whole implant out with the capsule at the same time. Okay. Um, some people will argue that you have to have that done. Uh, I'm not of that opinion because it's not always safe to. It does leave a bigger scar. So if you are worried about scars, then, mm-hmm. like, it's not the way to go. Um, it'd probably be a little bit more risky, I guess, because it's a bigger surgery. But if you've had implants that have ruptured or burst, which I'm learning is so common now, mm. um, then on Blanc's probably probably the better way to go because it holds everything in. Mm-hmm. I had a full capsulectomy, which is probably like the next level down, which is where they take the implant and the capsule out, not necessarily together. Okay. Smaller scar. Um, they do what my surgeon described to me. I'm like, I don't want to know what I'm doing. Just do it. But um, they take it out and then they wash you out with saline just to make sure that nothing else is left. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no one can see my face. Then, but I'm a bit squeamish. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's okay. I need to hear this. Um, and then the other one is the partial capsulectomy, which is where they can't get it all where it is stuck to ribs and stuff so they'll try and get out (laughs) sorry I'm so sorry Um, but like they'll try and get out as much of it as possible but it's yeah it's not 
always and wh- whatever is safer really of is course. the way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the kind of, I guess, turnaround from you deciding, yes, I'm going to have them removed to actually having them removed? Um, I was really lucky that I got into my surgeon really quickly. She's not a bells and whistles type of person, so there's no big pretty website for her. Mm -hmm. Um, She does a lot of amazing like craniofacial work and um, works on scars and that kind of thing. So uh, like I'd booked in and I got in to see her within a month, but then Mm -hmm. I got COVID. Oh, yes, because this was 2020 we were talking about, right? By this stage it was 2022. I started 2022, but like... I went up, up to the Gold Coast for a friend's 40th and by the time I got home mm. I was sick. I was like, oh, no. Um, and that was like we, we missed out on like concerts and stuff. And I was mm. like, but, but like I was going to see this surgeon and start this whole process. And it was like you have to wait a certain amount or you had to wait. I don't know what the rules are now. Yeah. Like it just seems like you don't, it's a free-for-all now. Yes. But, yeah, I, I had to wait three weeks to see her and it was the hardest three weeks of my life. I'm just waiting. Uh, and then, so it was probably eight, end of April maybe that I got to see her again and uh, she booked me in for the end of June. Okay. So, so within half a year. Yeah. Less yeah. than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not always the case. Like I did yeah. look into seeing another surgeon and just to see him as a, for a <laughs> consult it was like nine months and then mm. I was like, well, how long am I going to have to wait? I, I can't, I can't live like this anymore. Like mm. this is half a life that I'm living and it's impacting other people. It's impacting me. Like, you know, where am I going to be in that amount of time? Like, I'm just going to be a shell of myself. I don't, I don't want to wait. Mm-hmm. So not, nothing against that surgeon, obviously very no, good. Yeah. Does. And it is so common that you have to wait, you know, months often before you even get your initial consult with the yeah. surgeon or a specialist. So that's yeah, yeah completely yeah. normal. So yeah, you were, um, I don't like the word lucky, but like that, yeah. that's really it great. It was able to be so fast. Yes. Yeah. So it was a nice amount of time because mm-hmm. at this, by this point I had gone into a lot of the Facebook groups and I knew what I needed to buy I knew what I needed Mm -hmm. to try to do to prepare for it and it was just a good amount of time I didn't have too much time to overthink it but Mm -hmm. I had enough time to like be ready for it Mm -hmm. and yeah June the 27th 2022 it all happened yeah lovely so you went in and had the surgery how quickly afterwards did you start to I guess feel better or notice um, that your symptoms had started to subside from the moment I woke up oh my god (laughs) so there is a bit of a honeymoon phase when you explant so I was like whoa I've got all this energy and I feel great um but there's detox waves that happen after that but I woke up from the surgery and this was surgery number 13 so I kind of knew what to expect when I woke up in the past like the past few surgeries I've woken up and I've been really emotional been crying as I've woken up I've been really groggy I woke up and I was like looking at the clock. I'm like, oh, 6 p.m. Jacob's still going to be here because visiting hours finish at 8. Like there was like I just had so much clarity. Mm-hmm. And um, my partner and I are like, you know, really lovely to each other. But one of the things we do is flip the bird at each other for fun. <laughs> and I was like saying to the nurses, I'm like, my partner's going to be waiting in my room. Do you mind setting it up so that you let me know when I'm nearly there so we can walk in? Like when you walk me in with my bed, I'm like sticking my fingers up. <laughs> Yes, yes, we can do that. But just just the fact that I was able to do that, like, I, I've never felt like that waking up from a surgery. Um, we got into the room and, and like, I was chatting away because we were, for, for like, so I had started recording the podcast a month before and Jacob and I were like, oh, let's record what I'm like when I'm groggy. <laughs> I did it because I was just, like, chatting away and I'm like, I feel great, blah, 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 and thank you for oh. like, what, like, what happened in the last two hours. Oh, no, it was 
few hours that I was gone. Oh, yeah, no, I was two and a half-ish. It was a long surgery. Um, so probably one of my longer ones, and I've still felt like this. It was just wow, amazing. Wow, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I got up to walk to the toilet at about 1.30 in the morning, and I, like, you know when you get used to something, like... I was used to walking, like getting up in the morning so my ankles would hurt and everything was really stiff and sore. I'm a very heavy walker first thing in the morning. And I, I got, like I almost, I, I grunted for a good few months when I got up because I was used to the pain. And I was like, I don't have to do that anymore. This is painful. But walking to the toilet, I was like, oh, like there's no pain in my ankles. Like this is amazing. Um, and I had a look at my eyes, but it was 1.30 in the morning. So the light, lighting wasn't that great. But I was just like, oh, surely this isn't real. Like, this, can't, I can't be feeling this good so quickly. Um, yeah, I just, I, I felt very awake. I didn't sleep much that night because hospital wards are loud and mm-hmm. you've got that machine on your legs that, like, keeps your circulation going. That kept waking me up. And I was so, like, with it the next mm-hmm. day. Like, it was just crazy. I was reading books and really taking what was, like, happening in the book. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and, and then I took that eye comparison selfie and you could see already within the 24 hours that I'd had like a complete change in the the whites as well as the colour. That's incredible. Yeah. How long did you have to stay in hospital for? I was only there for two nights. Yeah. And that was because I had the drains in. Yeah. So like that's probably the hardest part for me because it's a bit yeah. Gross. Like, they take them out, but I, I got myself so stressed about that, like that my um, like the adrenaline was rushing through my body. You know, my my um, heart rate and my blood pressure went straight up after I had. It's not even that bad, but I'd made myself nervous about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, two two nights, and then I was back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe had a week and a half off of work. I probably could have taken another couple of days I got to work from home when I went back um and my, my surgeon's like how much sick leave do you have I'm like oh like mm. seven months because I've been there for 14 years I don't take a lot of leave and she's like oh, I can give you as much as you want I'm like, yeah I don't feel like okay with this but um I probably should have taken maybe two weeks off yeah that would have been a nice amount but uh yeah I was all I had to do when I got home was ask Jacob before he went to work to take anything off of higher shelves so some people will get like a lift breast lift done at the same time um, my surgeon did warn me um actually that when I had them out she's like you're gonna have very small boobs um and they're gonna look a bit scary um but like you know they'll eventually work their way out and I was like okay cool and then she like she took the first one off I looked down I'm like this like this looks normal <laughs> okay, <laughs> have you even yeah. taken them out you sure and then she took the other one out I was like oh no it was like completely different shape it was tiny it was or like just so different. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror for a good three weeks. Mm. And there's this there's this phenomenon, I guess, called fluffing that happens. Um, so when you have implants in, they push against the breast tissue and compact it. So when they're taken out, some people actually then, it could be up to six to 12 months later, and their boobs start to grow a little bit because the breast tissue has fluffed up. Oh. And that's what happened. I got through this stage of about three weeks post-op where I was starving, like nothing could satisfy how hungry I was. Wow. I could have dinner and then 45 minutes later I'm like, I need not dinner. Yeah. <laughs> and it started growing. So it was almost like my body needed that nourishment yeah. to, to bring it back to life. And, uh, yeah, that that was a big thing because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what am I going to do? Like, I'm, I'm okay with having – I was ready for small boots. I didn't end up with them. Um, I'm still similar – like cup size, but they just they're not as full um, mm-hmm. as it, I, I just live in crop tops now, which is amazing. Yeah, but it would have taken some getting used to. Yeah, like yeah, and you know, especially growing up as 
girls and now being women mm-hmm. there is a lot of emphasis on on how you look yeah. and and you know body image is a big thing so I can imagine it, it would have taken some adapting yes to yeah. you know and some accepting like yeah. with love like yeah. about okay this is this is how I look now and that's so like, that's okay I'm yeah. healthy yes and that, that was the one thing, like, people be like, oh, how am I going to navigate this life, like, with no boobs? Because a lot of people do end up with very, very small boobs. I, like, admire them. I wish that was me. <laughs> but it's like, with all of these health issues that you were living with for years, would you prefer those mm. or would you prefer big boobs? I know what I'd take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, yeah. So, like, and that was how long ago now? Uh, just under 18 months ago. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so we're feeling healthy. We're feeling good. Pretty good now. Um, so I mentioned before the detox waves. So yeah. three weeks in was, I think three weeks in was my first one. It's just massive headache. And the symptoms come back for a day or two. And then about nine months later, it was when we got back from Texas, actually. I was just, I felt like I had BII all over again. Mm-hmm. And that's when I linked in with a naturopath. Mm-hmm. and she's actually gone through like a heavy metal detox with me which I thought was going to be like you know really restrictive eating and it was just taking some supplements and eating healthy and within a couple of days I was like oh no this is how I'm supposed to feel okay. so it's it's a bit of a journey I guess it's not, like some people do wake up feeling amazing straight away and that it stays that way but a majority of the people I speak to it's not like that there's a lot of stuff they need to do mm-hmm. to get back to feeling good again one thing that people will say is for every year you had breast implants expect at least a month of healing so I had mine for 16 years expect to feel good about 16 months which is around now yeah yeah oh that's interesting yeah um I don't know if that's like a solid rule but it's just like something and everyone's different as yeah. well right yeah we know that well, the, the one really interesting thing that a lot of the people in the BII will talk about is this MTHFR gene mutation. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Mental health. No, no. It's, um, I, I, I can't, like, it's all of this scientific names. Okay. Yeah, MTHFR. I keep thinking, like, a swear word when I look yeah. at it. <laughs> oh, yes. I feel like it's someone else in an episode has mentioned it. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but now that you've said that, it's yeah. like, if you were to say it as a swear word, it's like the motherfucker yeah, gene. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Um, and that can cause, like, your body doesn't absorb B vitamins, like, folate properly. And I've had low B12 before, but no explanation. I'm not a vegetarian or anything. Um, and that's when I was really, really forgetful. Had the B12 mm-hmm. injections and was, like, amazing again. I was like, ding, ding, I remember everything. But your body um, so it has issues with the B vitamins, but it also has, has issues with detoxing. Yeah, I, that's what I found out through the BII community when I went to see my naturopath. I'm like, can you te- like send me off for blood tests for this with everything else? She's like, absolutely. I've got two, I don't know quite how to explain it. I think it's like two variants of it. Okay. So I'm like that's why I wasn't detoxing well with the breast implants. That's why some people probably don't have problems with them. And okay. maybe the people with the gene do. Yeah, it's been really interesting to find all of that out. There, there's also like... Other, other health risks down the track, which I'm working with a naturopath and trying to be mindful of how I eat and exercise now to try and avoid that. So I lost dad to yeah. frontotemporal dementia and things like Alzheimer's and dementia are high risk if you've got MTHFR. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So That's very interesting. Mm. Um, I wonder if it was Kim's episode. Maybe. I'd have to, yeah. have to look into it. Yeah. So obviously we're at 16 months on now. Um. I guess 
along the way, obviously we had a lot of physical symptoms. We talked a little bit about mental health mm-hmm. as well. Um, how did you manage your mental health being that we're on a mental health podcast? <laughs> how did you manage that over that time? Or were there certain things that you did to take care of yourself? Um, I guess if I feel like I'm progressing with something, like I'm in a good mental space. So just the fact that like, you know, once I knew what it was and once I knew I had my surgery date, I was working, like making sure that I was doing like self-care things every day. So keeping working out within reason, like what what my body could handle, you know, connecting with people and talking to them about it. I guess it's been since the surgery that I've started sharing other people's stories, but that's as we were talking about before we started recording, like the fact that you give people a a voice to talk about it and they then know that they're making a difference, like that just does a lot for me. Like Mm. it makes my heart happy that I'm helping people and they're able to help people as well because whenever I go through something horrible, I like to learn a lesson from it. And, yeah, my lesson from this is try and help like other people that are going through the same surgery because you are very vulnerable you're about Mm -hmm. to go through a massive body image change luckily for me it wasn't too important but then once I actually saw the difference in the sizes afterwards I'm like oh how am I going to navigate this and people are going to look at me and go like what happened there yeah um but it's like no actually the fact that I can do all of this stuff is way more important than how I look yeah and if people are going to judge me on how I look go away Mm. It says more about that person than it does about you. Absolutely. And, yeah, I definitely feel the same way in that, you know, being able to give someone the space to tell their story Mm. is is something that I take, you know, is good for my mental health as well, you know. I often, um, when I talk in my women's groups that I do about the things that I do to take care of my mental health, one of the things I always mention is that I donate plasma. Mm -hmm. And I do that because it actually makes me feel good yeah like, you know, it's it's someone it's a selfish thing to do. saved a life like, yeah 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 so if you can find things that you do in your day that actually help someone else mm-hmm. then like it's a it's a double positive yes. <laughs> yeah and I think finding like finding that about myself when I was doing the podcast uh, when I, while I've been doing the podcast like it's then sort of sort of moved into my like employment like my normal job like how can I help people every day Um, my role is not always like that but I try to wherever I can like you know teach someone a skill or Mm -hmm. you know give them some knowledge that they didn't know before and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing and yeah that just that just helps mental health absolutely yeah um yeah love that (laughs) (laughs) so what do you wish that you could tell your past self or advice you might have for someone who's potentially going through the same thing now so a message to my younger self, uh, I think if I went back to tell 18-year-old Bianca, don't get implants, she wouldn't listen <laughs> because she didn't think that she could look like a woman without them Yeah, and that she would be loved without them and be accepted by people without them. Uh, if I could go back to myself like 10 years ago while I still had them, I, I'd probably consider getting them out back then and be like, look, this is going to happen to you if you don't get them out. And I would have got on top of it then because I was a little bit older, a little bit wiser and, yeah, just, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't that important. Towards the end of having implants, they weren't pretty or comfortable anyway. They're really uncomfortable to have. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone that's going through this or about to go through this or if this is sort of triggered a little bit of a, oh, maybe this is what's going on with me if you've got, I think they sort of say any kind of implanted device. Like mm-hmm. you're not on your own. Um 
I'm here. Like, you know, reach out to me if you if you have questions. Um, there's the communities, the BII communities on Facebook, the Instagrams. Um, there's there's other BII podcasts as well, and they're always happy to help. But there are so many of us going through this, and you know, there will be people along the way that question you, like, you know, couldn't be your boobs, couldn't be your breast implants, mm. or doctors. Some people get like they talk about like being gaslit by doctors. If if you if you go to a doctor and you ask them for a referral to a surgeon and they won't go to another doctor mm-hmm. like that mine was great I, I sort of see registrars at my clinic because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just haven't sort of found I have, haven't ended up with a doctor that's there long term um, but yeah she was young and obviously had heard about this and there were no questions whatsoever she's like what kind of implants have you got I'm like oh they've textured this branch she's like yeah okay there have been some issues with those I've heard I'll give you that referral. Like, let me know who you want to go to. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm always here for people if they want to reach out and ask any questions. Ask about my surgeon. I won't mention and I don't mention her name on my podcast yeah. um, just because of, like, how her practice is. It's not, you know, advertised or anything. But, yeah, um, yeah I've got some places in Adelaide that I've heard are really good as mm-hmm. well as mine. So. And that's the thing, like, it, like any medical professional, GP's no different in that we're not always going to click with with the first one we see and you know um gps as well they have such a short time to be able to see each person yeah so you know it's it's making sure we advocate for ourselves, and if we don't feel heard um when we're trying to express how we're feeling or like um whether it's physically or mentally Mm -hmm. um to either um push a little harder um dig a little deeper or see somebody else. Yes. Like yeah. if you have to. And like. some of the, not even breast implant illness, but like local Facebook groups, the first GP that I saw that was sending me off all the tests and the, the dietitian appointments, um, I had found her through an Adelaide Girls Facebook um, mm-hmm. group where somebody had said, like, I've got a lot of women's health issues. What GP would you re- like recommend in the northern suburbs? And her name came up. And there were a lot of names, but, like, I was mm-hmm. just drawn to that name. I was like, I'm going to go to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she wasn't – she ended up moving away and um, she wasn't the one that re- referred me, but that established me with that particular surgery and they're very thorough and every, anything they do with that short amount of time they have. Yeah. I think that is part of the problem these days. Mm-hmm. So, like – They've just got to tick and flick things because they've got, what, 10, 15 minutes to see us now? It just seems to be shorter every time they go. And, yeah, like since the explant as well, like I've had other blood tests done, I went to see a GP. She wasn't great. And she was. I said, look, I think there's a problem with my hormones mm-hmm. or my thyroid because I'm putting a lot of weight on. I'm doing all the right things and nothing's moving. It's going up, if anything. And she's like, oh, you've already had the PCOS, like polycystic ovarian syndromes test done. And you've already had your thyroid done, but I can do it again. I'm like, no, but is there any digger that you can, like any deeper that you can dig? Mm. And she's like, oh, we'll just do these. And everything came back normal, of course. And then when I went to see the naturopath, she's like, actually, we look at the ranges that GPs look at are different to what a naturopath would look at because obviously the naturopath looks ahead, like thinks ahead Mm. and they're preventative. So she's like, actually, no, your thyroid is a little off. Um, Mm. And she looked at all these other hormones so I've had issues with my prolactin, which is mostly prolactin is high in women who are breastfeeding. Hmm. Um, but I've looked into it. Mine's mine's high. And it, if you've had any kind of trauma to your breasts, wow. <laughs> it can be high. Yeah. Um, it's also driven down my progesterone and all these kind of things. But that wouldn't have happened with a GP, I don't yeah. think. Um, yeah. I did try to get into an integrated GP. So they're kind of like hybrid GP and naturopath. 
Oh, cool. Um, but there was a wait to see one of those. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I'd heard about this really good naturopath. And I was like, I'm just going to do that, see what mm-hmm. that's like. And she's been amazing. Uh, and she was the one that sent me off all these tests and I got all these answers. So working through that still at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, as we were saying about like, you know, um, standing your own ground and whatnot, is that there are other, what in the past may have been thought of as like an alternative modality, mm-hmm. like a naturopath. I have multiple friends who've recently um, been down the path of seeing a naturopath and I was talking to one the other day and the things that he's learned and been able to implement and change, he's having really good um, results from. Mm. And, uh, you know, of course things are different for everyone. Yeah. But I just think, like, if one thing's not working, you're not getting answers over here, don't be afraid to try something different. Yes. And I think there's a stereotype about naturopaths mm. specifically because that's that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, they're going to make me, like, vegan and really shit <laughs> what I'm eating and and. Um, I saw Lara Tilly, I don't mind saying her name because um, she's um, a great naturopath here in Adelaide and um, nothing like that. Like she gave mm-hmm. me like really achievable goals and she knew about breast implant illness when I mentioned it to her and she had a plan for like months ahead of what I was going to be working through because one seed, one thing feeds into another thing feeds into another thing. So mm-hmm. I had to get my gut health fixed before mm-hmm. I could take anything to fix my hormones because if I took any kind of supplement, I wasn't going to absorb it properly because my gut health was off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So um, interesting. And mm. I feel like people are more and more now starting to talk about gut, gut health. Yes. I've listened to a few episodes lately. Um, I think it was Diary of the CEO with Stephen Bartlett had um, oh, someone yeah. on there talking about the microbiome yes. and the gut and stuff and how different foods will react with different people based on the makeup of the bacterias and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if bacteria is the right word. The microbiomes or the whatever little, it is. The little guys the, in there. Yeah, <laughs> the, the little things in your guts. And it's so interesting. And, I mean, obviously this has been around for a while, but I've only personally been sort of had a, a light shone on it or, like, started learning about it in the few, last few months. And it's something I... Like, I'm not experiencing any signs or symptoms that is worrying, but, like, I, I want to go and get my gut tested and yeah. find out what's going on in there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just never know. Like, there's it's – fun, it's funny, the BII world has opened me up to a lot of mm. crazy stuff. And, like, the, the, there's people that talk about parasites. Like, I think everybody has parasites in their system. I think it's pretty normal, but there can be nasty ones. And if you just go willy-nilly and take – any kind of normal off-the-shelf shelf probiotic and you've got a parasite, it's going to feed it. It's not going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why seeing a registered health practitioner, whatever it might be, whatever you're comfortable seeing, is so important. Yeah. And getting those tests done because you want to be taking the right things to fix the right thing, not just like, oh, I think I've got, like, whatever. I'm going to take your cool. No problem with your cool. My partner takes that. But, yeah. like, I, I had to strip all the bad stuff before I could then build up the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's been, you know, a few months of, of work. Yeah. But I feel way better for it. <clears throat> oh, wonderful. Yeah. Now, I did have um, a, a naturopath on the podcast, Stephanie, so I might have to give her a um, yeah. <laughs> give her a call and see if she can fit me in so we can start looking at what's growing in my guts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so looking back at hindsight through everything that you've been through, how do you feel about it now? I feel like I was supposed to go through it mm. um, because it's brought me to this place today where I'm helping people 
and I'm meeting so many people. Like, honestly, if I went overseas right now, I could go to the UK, Canada, the US and would have friends over there that I could visit. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, it, it's horrible to have spent those few years feeling like my body was giving up on me. But, yeah, like, I just feel like all things happen for a reason. I know. <laughs> like, I, 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 we're so the same in this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because you just, I think... Everybody has their challenges as well. Like, you know, if we look back at my life, I've had 13 surgeries. Like, in several of those were major. Um, all sorts of, like, problems because of them. But, like, I'm here now and I can tell people about them, like, and might then trigger a thought for someone to be like, not, not even just the BII stuff, like even endometriosis. Like, mm-hmm. there's more and more awareness of that now. But it's not normal for people to walk around feeling like crap all the time. Mm-hmm. It's not normal for... Like, this is what I'm learning through the naturopath. It's not normal to, like, I hope you don't mind talking about periods. But no, like, to walk around and have your periods impact your life. Like, mm. mine were never bad. But since seeing the naturopath, I, they're not. it's not a thing. Like, I don't get bloated. I don't get a backache. I don't even know I've got it half yeah. the time. Like, it, and you just hear about all these people just walking around going, like, oh, I'm in so much pain. It's so heavy. There's all these things. But it's like go see someone about that and if they're not going to help you like we were saying before find someone else like just keep pushing until you find the right person to help you through it because you're not meant to walk through life feeling like shit yeah yeah 100 percent. i agree and that's physical and mental like both sides 100 percent. and it can be difficult when you're in it to think that there's anything else Mm -hmm. like it's hard to see that it can be better for years, like if you're walking mm. around feeling a certain way for years, like that was just normal for me. Mm-hmm. Like it was normal for me to walk, like get up out of bed and hobble. Yeah, at 35. That was normal. Yeah, <laughs> that's not normal. No. <laughs> but now we're good when we get out. Of yeah, bed. I jumped out of bed. I actually jumped out of bed in the hospital. I'm like, oh, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> don't go too crazy. You're just gonna, you're gonna hurt yourself. <laughs> that's the amount of energy I had initially. Like, it yeah, was, incredible. Yeah, yeah, different person. So if anyone would like to find you and connect in with you and listen to the podcast, what are all the ways? Okay, so I am on Facebook and Instagram, just that Could It Be podcast. So that's Could It and then B-I-I, which is the acronym for breast implant illness. Um, I also have an email address, which is just Could It Be podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's basically it. Um, You'll be tagged yeah. in like all yeah. the stuff on um, my podcast, on the stories and the um, post as well. And, of course, it will all be in the show notes. But nice to be able to give the podcast a little bit of a plug whilst we're here. <laughs> How many episodes are we up to? I think I've just released episode 38. Amazing. When you start something new, I was like, oh, I'm going to get three. Three's my number. If I try something new, mm-hmm. like I'll get to three and I'm bored. Mm-hmm. But 38, I was like, get out of town like I'm still going like 18 months later I'm still doing it and people are still contacting me to join like join in and and talk about their stories in the podcast and I've got some ideas for things that I now looking back on my experience and all of the people I've spoken with like lumping all the information together to share um, like you know for anyone new to the podcast and wanting to know like how to prep for surgery and all those kind of things um I've got an exciting episode that I'm recording and towards the end of the year, which is the history of breast implants. Okay. So, like, yeah. Like, spoiler alert, the first implants, I'm pretty sure, not first, but like, breast implants were put into a dog in Texas back <laughs> in like the 50s or 60s. Oh. And taken out a couple of weeks later, and they're like, oh yeah, they're safe. 
Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to listen <laughs> to this one 100%. And I'm going to record it with um, another podcaster in Canada, and like we're both like just shocked by all the stuff all we hear. Yeah, she, she went to get, wanted to get implants, also worked in the fitness industry, but sorry, <laughs> she um, never went ahead with it. And looking back now, she's glad because her and mm. I similar like um, any kind of piercings I had when I was younger grew out. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like my body's just geared up to reject stuff and she's the same. So she's glad she never got them. But yeah, I'm excited to record that episode with her because it's just going to be so amazingly Amazing. dramatic. <laughs> and like huge congrats on getting to 38. Thank you. I remember when I was starting out and I was listening to podcasts about starting a podcast. Yep. <laughs> um, I remember listening to one and I don't remember whose it was and that said like there's so many podcasts sitting in this little like podcast graveyard because they <laughs> don't make it past 10 episodes. Yeah. And so in my head when I started I was like I just have to, I've got to make it past 10, mm-hmm. and that, which I have done. Um, I'm in the mid-30s as well. Nice. But then I saw something I shared it the other day by Homoyusi, I think it was, and it was like to be in the top 1% of podcasters, you need to have more than, I think it was more than 20 episodes Ooh, or something like that. Funny. I have to find it. I'll yeah. share it again. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> We're both there. I can't yes. 20 or 30. I, I need to double check. My memory is terrible. <laughs> but like, you know, it's those little things of like, you know, like it's nice to reflect a little bit and be like, you know, um, I'm not getting paid to do any of no, this. No, it, <laughs> it doesn't make any money. money. <laughs> no, that's, that's one thing that people don't know about podcasts. Like, <laughs> I pay. If we're looking yeah. at the video platform that I use, so I do video episodes there on YouTube. But, like, I fork out probably collectively about $45 a month for mm-hmm. episodes, uh, like, to, to post my episodes and to record Plus all the time you put into it, like yeah. record, like to actually record, like getting to know people beforehand. <laughs> um, in my case, I edit my own, so that takes ages. Mm. But like I love it because then I get to go back through everything. And go, oh, we had that moment. Um, but yeah, it's 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 something that you. I don't get paid for it. No, I, you I've, do it because you love it. <laughs> yes, yeah, and like I've had I've listened to other podcasts about like the same subject as mine, and they've had ads for gambling and that kind of thing and like I, I would want to choose what Me I too. was advertising so I'm like mm. you know what I'm just not going to even go down that track I don't yeah. know if I've got I'm on the platform that I post from it's like you don't have enough listeners to um have like to to get ads and I'm like uh, I've got seven and a half thousand listens thank yeah. you <laughs> but, yeah um, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would be the same. I would want to be very selective. But but um, also, if anyone is listening and it, it has something that's either um, would fit in with either of our shows who would like to sponsor us, yeah. please hit us up because I'm open to it. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Reach out. We'd make it work. We, that's like the whole time we've been podcasting. We just figure it out yeah. one, one baby step at a time. Sometimes you don't even have an episode lined up. You're like, what am I going to do? I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to like record this episode or reach out to this person. Cause yeah. Yeah. When you're working full time as well and doing this on the side and trying yeah. to go to the gym like we do mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot, but it's so rewarding. So rewarding. Yeah. And I, I think I can speak for both of us in saying that we wouldn't change it. No, the world. And absolutely. It's very, yeah. The people we both get to meet along the way definitely make it worthwhile. Yeah. 
All right. So with that, I think um, we're going to wrap up the episode. I have had a lot of fun. <laughs> it's always good podcasting with another podcaster because you just know what to do. I know. So there's definitely no like quiet moments or like um, you don't feel like you have to drive it as much. It just yeah. flows, which yeah. is really nice. So thanks so much, guys, for listening. I'm certain that you will have learned something today in the same way that I have. And, yeah, if um, this speaks to you or you've been thinking maybe that you have BII or that you're looking at having an explant, um, definitely uh, reach out to Bianca. All the info will be in the show notes. And I'll see you next time. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Thanks for for listening, everybody. And, uh, yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. Even better, if you know someone who might benefit from listening to it, please tell them all about it. You'll find more information from today's episode in the show notes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on High Tide, Low Tide, please email me at Lisa, spelled L-E-E-S-A, at hightidelowtideau.com or DM me on Instagram at hightidelowtideau. See you next time.